0: Hey guys and welcome to or back to the Paws and Pursuit podcast with your host Summer Clark. So today I'm going to be talking all about the JOAWC, always a mouthful. Um, as you know me and Arrow just attended this event which was held in the UK um, as a white dog. So I, I asked you guys to ask me all the questions about being a white dog and just the event itself. And I had so many questions, I've got 18 questions. I have a feeling this is a really popular topic and you all want to hear lots about it. So let's get straight into it. So it was a three-day event. Um, Obviously, Team GB Juniors were competing there, but I was the medium white dog with Arrow. So number one, and the most common question, I think I got this about five, ten times. What is a white dog? So a white dog is, and the first time I heard about a white dog, saw a white dog run, um, Learn what it is is when I represented Team UK at Imker and Porker um, which was held in the UK back in 2018 I would say, Um, yeah with Ethel and uh, one of my friends Jack was the white dog there obviously it was held in the UK so a white dog is basically the dog that runs the course set by the judge before course walking commences and before all the competitors actually start competing on the course. So that's pretty much what the white dog is. And number two is what is the purpose of a white dog? So these two questions tie in. So the purpose of this white dog that runs the courses before all this happens is to test the course. Um, it is to give the judge an example of how dogs look running over the course um what angles the dogs come off and onto you know equipment on stuff like that to make sure it runs smoothly and this gives the judge the opportunity to make tweaks you know just change a few things on the course if necessary not not hugely for safety because obviously it it has to be safe for the white dog but just slight little lines um on one of my courses i ran it And then just had to redo the last section for the judge as they weren't sure if they were happy with the line, how the dog was coming down a line into a tunnel. And they just tweaked the angle of the tyre slightly to make that line even nicer after watching Arrow do it. So, the white dog's purpose is for the judge to make sure the course runs soundly for all the competitors because it is such a major important event. Um, And obviously, the course has to be the same for all the dogs. So, you know, you you don't want to run five dogs. And then the judge think that's not right and have to restart the class or, you know, so that is the purpose of the white dog. It is also to demonstrate the course to the competitors. So the competitors for that class always watch the white dog run their course. And this just gives them an idea. You know how it is, you know, no one likes running first, do they, in a a class? Well, most people don't because, you know, I like personally watching a few example dogs run before me. um, And you can see traps you know if the dog takes traps you can see lines again uh, you can see how the handler handles it um, and you just really get a feel for it before you even run it obviously when you walk it you only walk it you don't run it so seeing a handler and dog run that course before you do is really helpful uh, i did have one i can't remember what country she was from now but i did have one of the foreign competitors come up to me and say what a brilliant white dog arrow was and she was really thankful for us because it had really helped her watching my runs able to figure the course out and run it to the best of her ability so it's for the judge first and foremost to make sure they're happy with their course for the competitors and then secondly it's for the competitors just to get a good idea of how the course runs and then they can make some final decisions about how they're going to run the course you know which handling options to take because you know we all walk the course with different options Um, excuse me I'm dying um you know so you know they might watch me run the course and I not do the blind and then, but they want the blind so they can be like, oh, that's what it looks like if I don't make the blind, stuff like that. So that is a white dog and that's why they exist. So number three is how do you get selected as a white dog and what does the selection process involve? I'm gonna sneeze. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. I don't know. No, I'm not. It's fine. Okay, so <laughs> how do you get selected as a white dog and what does the selection process involve? So there actually isn't a selection process, um, not that I'm aware of anyway. I didn't go through a selection process. Uh, you get selected by simply being approached by the kennel club so the best way i can describe it is like uh, you know in football or professional sports like that um people get spotted um so the organisations sort of see certain people at events and if they're impressed then they'll recruit them onto the team or whatever so um that's kind of like what this is obviously I think I got selected because, um, yes, Arrow is awesome. But also, I've been on the team before. I was on the team for three years with Ethel, so they already know of me. They know that I have international experience. Um, I've competed for Team GB before at these events in these env- in the same kind of environment. Um, so it would be less pressure for me in that sense. You know, I'm used to it. I I can run international courses. I've done it before and I've proved it. Um, and then also yeah they've just watched obviously me um run arrow shows they have probably seen what i put on social media of arrow running and just think that he would be a great example of a dog to run international courses and they just reached out to me and asked me so i didn't do anything i didn't even know that it was a thing that was happening at this event um obviously with it being held the uk it makes sense Um, but i just it didn't even enter my head until i got that request i was like oh my god that's happening. That's a thing they've asked me. But that no selection process. Um, you don't have to do anything specific to get selected. But those are the reasons I think they selected me and how they selected people. Because um, I know Marianne was a, was the small white dog. She has international experience um, and other sorts of younger people as well to fit in with the junior aspect of it. Because um, you never know if you if you choose like a thirty year old adult that you know to run. As the White Dog got a junior event, it might be a bit much a bit much for the juniors, it might be a bit too much pressure. So I think that's why they chose younger people as well. Um, but yeah, so no selection process, that is how I think I got selected. Uh, but again, that's just how I assume I got selected. I don't actually know, that's all I can imagine. Um, number four is how did you get approached by the Kennel Club for the role of White Dog? So, phone, email, in person, etc. So it was an email from the Kennel Club um, asking. Um, if I would like the role and what dates I could do the role. Obviously, it was three days You didn't have to do all the three days, but obviously I wanted to do all the three days because it is a huge honor um, So I replied saying yes, I would love to thank you. I can do all three days. So it was an email conversation Everything was um, was via email. Obviously, they already have my email as well um, because I've been on the team before, I've been involved in Kennel Club things before, so my email is already there, I've already had lots of conversations with people at the Kennel Club via email, so that's the only, that I assume that's how they have my email, obviously I didn't give it to them for this purpose, but I'm assuming that's how they already had it, to contact me, um, but yeah, that is how I got approached. Number five is, how did you feel when you got selected as a white dog? Honestly, when I got that email, I was elated i was so excited i couldn't believe it like i said it was completely out of the blue i never expected that to happen i was actually on my break at work sat in my car um, and i checked my emails and i saw that email and i also got another exciting message about something that i still can't tell you after that at this on the same day and the same block of emails um in in that moment so that was a very exciting break from work i went back in a very good mood as you can imagine um but now i just felt really honored and also really proud like really proud and sort of like you know what yeah um all the hard work i've put in with arrow and i'm still putting in with arrow and all the huge challenges challenges we've been through you know it's all paid it's paying off it's you know it's worth it they you know for the kennel club to think that you and your dog are good enough to do some such a, a role um is incredible you know it's just made me feel really proud of me and arrow and what we've achieved and how far we've come Um, But, yeah, mainly as proud and excited, just so excited um, and honoured just to be given this opportunity. You know, it's a rare one to be able to compete as an international event. And I've done it before with Ethel, but, you know, it is one of my, well, probably the main goal with Arrow is to get on the senior Team GB. So I just felt like this is a, you know, that it was a step towards that goal. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just another step in that direction. and yeah, obviously everyone at the Kennel Club is brilliant. Um, I love working with all of them anyway, you know, sort of conversing with them. They're all lovely. They're all so supportive. Um, I've always loved them all. So yeah, just super honoured, super happy, super excited and super proud when I got that email in the car that day. So number six is how did you how did you prepare to run as a white dog? And how much time did you have before the competition? So I I think I had about three, two or three weeks, I believe. Um, two or three weeks after getting that email until the competition. Yeah, three, I think it was three weeks. Yeah, between two and three weeks. So not, lo- not long, but I didn't do anything specific to prepare for the competition. To be honest, um, in all fairness, I just did my usual training, um, my once a week training with Lucy in the group classes. Um, and some little bits and bobs that I do at home as usual but I didn't change anything to prepare I just did business as usual you know training as usual and then you know just kind of thinking of this role as a normal competition so I just tried to go into it just like it's a normal competition if that makes sense so I didn't do anything differently to prepare for it than I already do with every normal competition if that makes sense um you know I suppose you you could do Um, and i guess if you were actually competing for teams you'd be at that event then you'd probably have different methods of preparing for it but you know with it being the white dog as well you know and quite short notice there wasn't loads i could do in that short space of time if that makes sense Um, there's not tons you can do differently in two two or three weeks and you don't want to change things that quickly either you don't want suddenly smash out training every day if you don't normally you know so i didn't change anything really i just carried on Obviously, that can be detrimental. It can, you can burn out, you can burn your dog out. You can get injured or injure your dog doing too much. Um, so yeah, I just kept everything pretty much exactly the same as normal. So number seven was how did you feel on the start line of your white dog runs? So honestly, not as nervous as a normal as an actual competition. Um, I really liked not. I really liked knowing that it wasn't under competition. If that makes sense. Um, it did feel more like training and also um, I don't I don't even know how to explain it but it just felt I think I was just that pleased to be there and that honored that I'd got that opportunity that I you know I was doing what I was happy to be doing if that makes sense like it wasn't like if I went clear and smashed out a brilliant time I'd anything else would come from that if that makes sense like no matter what the outcome this was what I was there to do and nothing would like i wouldn't gain or lose anything because of the result if that makes sense obviously i want to do my very best and showcase myself and arrow to the best of our abilities which i did and we we did achieve but at the same time you know there wasn't all those nerves like normal i just felt really special and proud and honored again just to be able to do that role and i really just wanted to take it all in and just really enjoy that 30 40 seconds in the Brit White arrow so yeah 20 30 seconds in the ring uh, that I had while it was happening um cuz obviously how many i think I, I had six runs so two a day apart from the saturday sunday but we'll come to that in a bit um obviously the saturday was cut short i had one run on the saturday and then the event was postponed till the following morning very bright and early 7am had to get up at 330 crazy Anyway, so we only had one run on the Saturday and then three on the Sunday to make up for that one we lost on the Saturday afternoon. But yeah, I had six runs in total, so it's not tons and I just wanted to enjoy, well I say not tons but I mean it's, you know, six runs and then there's not that event for another year or, you know, it's it's a very rare opportunity so I wanted to enjoy all of those six runs and that is what I did. So yeah, I didn't feel any negative emotions on the start line to be honest, Um, it was all just positive, all just pride and excitement. Uh, And determination as well, to be honest, to showcase Arrow at his best. Um, I really wanted to show how good he can be at these international courses, which I think we definitely achieved. But yeah, I was stood there and I was just honoured and proud and determined. Yeah, that's pretty much how I felt. Um, So number eight is, did you feel under pressure to go clear in your white dog runs? So like I just said, no there was maybe a tiny bit of pressure because obviously everyone's watching you, the other countries are watching you as well, but no, I didn't feel too much pressure because like I said, I knew it wasn't a competition and I wouldn't lose or gain anything from how the run went. Um, obviously I wanted it to be a really good run. Every run I go into, I, you know, I put the same into my white dog runs as I would a normal competition run. But I think just because I was just so happy to be there, like I said, I wasn't, I didn't feel really pressured. Um, the job, I knew the job, the goal of being a white dog is to run the course and showcase the course to the competitors and for the judge to see how dogs run on it so whatever happened i would go and do that i would run that course as i would as if i was competing um and either way the judge would get to see the course ran and either way the competitors would get to see the course run, even if it meant arrow going in a trap or something at least the competitors saw that or you know stuff like that And even if he did knock a pole because the line was slightly off at least the judge saw that so they could amend it for the competitors so yeah no I don't think there was a huge pressure to go clear at all less than a competition I reckon Um, so number nine is how did oh did you get the times of your runs and if so how did they compare to the relevant class results so no I didn't get times for my runs Um, I mean I could probably work it out on the video but I didn't do that i didn't get times for my runs um no i didn't do that <laughs> i suppose i could have if i really wanted to don't know whether i could have asked or could have compared um but again arrows times in the ones he went clear on would have been fantastic because he was absolutely amazing i'm sure he would have been up there but again it's i didn't want to be that person really in a way because i'm like well they're juniors I'm not do you know what I mean like it's not the same thing I wouldn't be competing against these people anyway you know they're in age categories for a reason like they're under 19s under 15s under 12s etc and I'm 22 (laughs) so I was never going to be in a competitive situation in that aspect anyway so that's not something that I even thought of doing to be fair um again I just thought of the experience for what it was um but no It would have been interesting, really, but no, I didn't really think to do that. Um, I was just really thrilled with Arrow's performance um, and too caught up in all of that, really, to think about it after my runs. Um, Number 10 is, did you get eliminated for redoing the seesaw or are you allowed to do that? So, yeah, that was in one of my runs where Arrow absolutely flew off the end of the seesaw. Cheeky little thing. (laughs) Um, So, I went back and redid the jump to the seesaw, which he then did successfully and... Again, it's a white dog run. You can't you don't get marked. They don't even mark you um, So if it was a competition, yes, you get eliminated for redoing equipment um, Obviously the, the flying the seesaw would have been five um, and then the Obviously redoing would have been an E, but it wasn't a competition. It was a white dog run So I didn't get any I technically didn't go clear didn't get faults. didn't get E'd anything because it was white dog runs but yes, if it was a competition, it would have been an E for that. Um, in the same sense that he did get those three clears. Um, and then what? I think he got three clears, one ten and two E's because I redid the seesaw and on one, and then the other one, he, oh, he just snuck into a tunnel. because um, I, I, I went too deep and then didn't beat him round to stop him going in a tunnel if you watch the video you'll understand it's the last run so on instagram it's the last run in the series of runs that i posted um and it was super tricky but it was super fun and yeah i just didn't beat him around i need to trust him more leave him to do it himself and i would have made it but i didn't quite make it and then he just snuck in a tunnel uh, so that would have been me as well but yeah no technical ease or anything but yes you would get eat normally but i didn't nothing went down nothing nothing was recorded from my runs um so number 11, this is a funny one. So the rain and wind looked awful. Did the weather impact your runs? And do you think it impacted the competitors runs too? So yes, the, the rain and the weather conditions were horrendous. Typical, we haven't had weather that bad here in the UK in a while. That was extremely bad. Um, the first day wasn't too bad. It was continuous rain, but like the slight rain, like lots of thin, slight, light rain, if that makes sense. So it wasn't too bad. Um, the ground was pretty fine it was just more damp everything was damp and wet um, and it it felt more misty than anything Uh, so that wasn't it wasn't pleasant and everything but you know it wasn't too bad it was you could deal with it second day saturday we got the first run uh, done in the morning and then they had to postpone the afternoon's run to the following morning the sunday morning because the weather was that bad. It was torrential heavy downpours and the wind was in t- the w- it Everything was blowing everywhere. Uh, the Kennel Club did have a meeting up in the office at the venue about what to do, whether to take the contact equipment out because it was um, the agility run started that afternoon. So there was two jump in on the Friday, a jump in on the Saturday morning, which was completed and then an agility the Saturday afternoon and then two more agility on the Sunday. Um, so the Ken club were either going to take the contacts out of the agility classes or postpone the competition so and i think this was a ama- an amazing decision and definitely the right one it was to postpone the competition the competition pretty much stopped at 1pm on the saturday and we came home um you probably saw again i then got home it was sunny obviously in lincoln weirdly typically so i went for a run and did all the things Um, And then got up at 3.30 the next day and then we had three agility runs and I was on the line The white dogs were on the line and ready to run at 7 a.m. So we I got up at half three on Sunday morning and arrived at the competition just after 6 and then was on the line at 7 a.m and then didn't get home till about 8 I think 8 half 8 so yes a very long tiring weekend but amazing but yeah back to the point I'm going off on a tangent the weather was not good but the kennel club dealt with it so well um on obviously the first on Friday and the Saturday morning I don't think that kind of weather affected Arrow at all in fact he was brilliant (laughs) that was he ran at his best in the rain and the wind and I felt like I handled just fine in the rain and the wind Uh, the only time I think wind affects me as a handler is the fact that You know the wind might carry my voice when i'm giving our cues i don't know and also when you have to leg it into the wind so if the wind is blowing in your direction it's like running just you know what running into the wind feels like and it slows me down um so i can't get places as fast but that didn't seem to happen um and then sunday the weather wasn't as bad at all so that didn't affect us because the weather was fine um, so, no, I don't think it affected me and Arrow very much, no. I don't think it affected our performance. Um, I don't think it impacted... See, I don't think it impacted GB's performance because we're used to running in that kind of weather anyway, I guess. Um, we have acclimatized to it, but you never know. I don't know. Maybe some, some of the handlers did have to run into the wind or whatever. <laughs> Maybe some people's dogs don't like rain. Again, it, it all depends on what the dog... You know, whether... The, like, Ethel hated running in the rain. <laughs> um so it, it's dog dependent uh, but the foreign competitors from the other countries i feel like it probably did yeah because especially those from hotter countries they're probably not used to the excessive wind and rain you know if that's not if they never run in that then it probably did affect their performance for the worst kind of i assume anyway um and it, like anything you're not used to affects you you know um so number 12 is do you think running in their home country aided Team GB's success? So first of all, let me just say that Team GB absolutely smashed it. I think it was something like medals in the 30s or something like that. It was literally incredible. I've never seen so many podiums from GB. It was insane. Um, some world champions as well. I know we had Dylan um, overall small under 19 world champion. Um, and I think we had a team that was world champions as well. Yeah. So there was just so many medals and Team GB did so well so running in the home country i think it's got to help um only because again you don't have the traveling obviously the handlers and dogs that come from other countries and how i know i felt when i travelled to other countries to compete at gb events with ethel um obviously you get tired and groggy from all the traveling you know you're out of routine everything just feels a little bit off i know the americans were there as well they probably had to fly over i'm sure they did you know, so jet lag, time differences, stuff like that, so that's got to affect um, affect you as a handler and probably the dogs as well, um, if you're going to another country, so yeah, being in our time zone, our weather, a venue that we've competed at before, so Iconics, uh, Dallas, Burst and Polo Club, the the usual Iconics venue, um, that has to help, you know, familiarity always has to help, so yes, I think it will have helped a little bit, but not, you know, I think that obviously the main reason we were successful is because of the skills and the talent of the team and the, you know, how good the selection process was in choosing the best junior handlers and dogs of our country. So yes, a little bit is my answer to that, but it's not why we did well by any means, but yeah, it it can't, it can't have harmed, can't have harmed. Um. So number 13, what was your favourite part of running as a white dog? My favourite part of running as a white dog, uh, that's really hard, I think... Can you tell that I'm not preparing my answers anymore because you all prefer when it when they're unprepared? but I'm just gonna have to sit in silence for a few minutes. <laughs> I th- I'd say my favourite part of running as a white dog was probably being in the... It just having the... getting the experience with Arrow and knowing that you know i'm getting that experience in that is so valuable for me and him running as a partnership so my favorite thing running as a white dog would be just be and being in that environment without the pressure of competing before one day hopefully competing does that make sense so that was my favorite bit being able to do the that event that international style event in that atmosphere with those surroundings you know with those courses and judges but without the huge pressure of competing for your country that was my favorite part because i was just so grateful for the experience to do that i think that can only help as far as you know the future goes for me trying out on the team to actually compete in that that environment one day with arrow Uh, that was my favorite part i've got to say but there were so many favorite parts Um, obviously just being at an event like that i just love international events like that being surrounded by all the different countries it is surreal and i was just so grateful to just be able to be there for it as well so what was 14 is what was your least favorite part of running as a white dog i don't think i had a least favorite part you know for this specific event probably getting wet and yeah (laughs) probably just getting intensely rained on that was the whole weekend that was the most negative part of it and even that wasn't that bad but Yeah, the most negative part of the experience was the rain. Um, I'd say probably. And obviously, there's still a little bit of of nerves and pressure, just a little bit of wanting to, you know, take advantage of the scenario and do as best as you can. Obviously, you want to look, uh, not look, but you want to show the team and, and the management how good you are do you know what i mean because i know me and arrow are capable of those courses um, at those events but you know so i was i really want i was really hoping that we could showcase that at the event which i believe we did which is all that matters personally um you know me thinking that yes you know we did our best and i'm happy with how we showed up um but yeah the probably least favorite part yeah getting rained on but apart from the weather it'd probably be just the the slight self-inflicted pressure of thinking you know what yeah do really want to make the most of this and you know showcase our skills to the best of our ability um but really there was barely any negative aspects it was just brilliant um number 15 what does joe joe oh my god what does (laughs) joe i can never say it properly what does j-o-a-w-c stand for and how do you qualify So, J-O-A-W-C stands for Junior Open Agility World Championships. This is a relatively new thing. I'm not sure if it was like that last year or the year before, but when I did it with Ethel, it was EOJ. So, that was European Open Junior. Um, And now it's this. I I can't tell you why. I'm not too sure, but that's what it stands for. And it is, obviously, the Open Agility World Championships for Junior Handlers Under 19. Um, Obviously, there's the different categories under 19 under 15 under 12 stuff like that um i think there's is that yeah i think so anyway uh how do you qualify i don't know exactly that well i'm assuming that it's changed from when i was when i tried out with ethel uh, but i'm also assuming it's the same process as the adults so obviously there's the psq so the pre-selection qualifier um and then there's some win on spots not win on spots but like wins through so you can progress from the PSQ by winning um and you can progress to the actual select to the actual qualifier um or you can just get sort of spotted through the PSQ and invited to the qualifier and then from the qualifier the team is selected again through win-ons and spotting as well um, it's all down to the management so that is the process I think there is two days uh, PSQ and the actual qualifiers then that um oh no i'm missing one there's three scrap that open showcase open showcase is the first one and then you can win on or get selected to go through to the psq pre-selection qualifier then you can win on or get selected to go through to the actual qualifiers and then from the qualifiers the team is selected again there are two ways mainly to go about it either just getting selected from management's uh, decision or obviously winning on by winning the classes there stuff like that uh, so that is how you qualify you have to go through that process um, and that usually happens around the end and the start of the year um, so when I did it there was one in December January and February but now I think it starts in February I think it's around January February March time something like that so that is how you qualify and what it is um, I would definitely say go for it even if you aren't too confident I know a few juniors that were worried about um you know worried about they didn't want to try out in a way they were like nervous they you know needed that push to try out because they were worried about it um and then they tried out and they did get on the team and my first year getting on the team with Ethel back in 2017 I tried out without even knowing what it was for (laughs) I've told this story before it wasn't until after the um the selection process which was different then that i'd done well at i just thought it was kind of a, a competition i didn't know it was an abroad competition for team gb and then obviously they were like yeah if you get selected you'll be going to luxembourg with team gb and i was like what me and my mum looked at each other like what and then i got selected and the rest is history but yeah just go for it just have a go um everything is good experience so number 16 what skill level do you need to get selected for the team competing grade etc don't think there's a requirement for this. Um, open showcase again, it's open to all grades of dog uh, and that is the start of the selection process. So, you know, again, it's international courses Um, any dog can enter. However, well, I say any dog, any skill level of dog can technically enter. I think it's all grades, um, but obviously you've got to take into consideration that they're international courses. Uh, the courses aren't easy. Um, well, compared to normal competitions, the courses won't be easy. They'll be a little bit harder because of the extent of the event and what you are trying out for. Um, So just use a bit of common sense to think, "Um, is, is, am I ready and is my dog ready? Because you don't want to go and then be totally overwhelmed, not be able to do anything and have a really negative experience that then knocks your confidence and stuff. Um, So, you know, do you think you and your dog are ready to run international courses and represent your country? um you know i tried out with arrow at well i i went to the open showcase with arrow mainly because i wanted him to experience the courses and just to get a feel for where he's at i didn't expect to get on the team so obviously you can just go to that for the experience i think a lot of people do um so yeah i would say and obviously i knew arrow could do all the things um but i also knew in the back of my mind you know he's still very young he's still a very baby dog and obviously he was a lockdown dog and he had all his nerves and stuff so i no part of me thought i'm gonna get on the team that's not why i went to the open showcase i went for the experience because it's something i want to achieve in the future so i thought you know that's it's gonna be a mega experience uh, to get a feel for that with him which we achieved and we'll come back next year and do the same thing and just keep doing it until you know, and keep training in between, obviously working really hard, giving it more time, giving it more training. And then every year we should get better. Um until one day we are good enough to go through that selection process and eventually get selected. But all you can do is try. Um I think you should just absolutely go for it. Um but yeah just take into consideration the fact that yes they are international courses. Um so you know you've got to be able to your dog you and your dog have got to have skills and your dog's got to be able to do all the things if that makes sense um so yeah it's a really hard one to answer grade i'm pretty sure you can be any for the open showcase but yeah only you know you know where you and your dog are on your journey and how you think you will deal with the international courses um so yeah number 17 what if anything has changed since you were on the team so, I was on the team, um, the junior team GB, a long time ago, uh, 2017, 18, and 19 in Luxembourg, the Netherlands, uh, and Switzerland. Just talking about it and thinking about it just makes me happy. Literally the best three years of my life, and that is bizarre in a way because I didn't even know what I was signing up for when I first went to uh, try out, but I wouldn't swap those memories for the world, literally for the world. Um, What has changed? Obviously, the selection process has changed, but for the actual event, it was really similar actually. It was very similar. You know, you've still got the individual, you've still got the team, same format of runs like that. Uh, All the countries you've still got there. A lot of the countries even have the same chant, or it's slightly different. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just felt like a blast from the past. I don't think anything has really changed that much. Obviously, there's different people on the team because people age out for all the countries, that's obvious. Uh, You've got different management. Obviously, again, that's just called life progressing. Um, People moving on with their lives, doing things, etc. But obviously, it was a different feel being in the UK and hosting it ourselves to being in a different country. But apart from the location and the venue, nothing else felt that different. It did... It just was so similar to when I did it. Um, You know, you've got all the little bases that all the countries are at. They were doing t-shirt swaps. Uh, You've got your opening ceremony, closing ceremony, all those things. And so, yeah, I don't think a lot's changed at all. Um, It was mega at the time, and it still is mega this year, really um obviously it felt a bit more normal to me because one I wasn't competing competing on the team you know didn't have all the kit etc which everyone else did that was competing um and also obviously it's a venue that I compete at regularly anyway here in the UK so it to me it felt more normal than those things I guess they felt more extreme but obviously they're going to in a different country and I was an actual competitor but yeah um not not a lot has changed it's still great and the last question is where will JOAWC look at me I did it 2024, I wrote 2014 in my notes. Nice one summer. That's a blast from the past. Um, Even I wasn't on the team in 2014. It wasn't even a thing. So yeah, where will it be held next year in 2024? I don't know. I'm going to leave you all on a cliffhanger. Um, We don't know. Um, In the closing ceremony of the event this year, they said, you'll have to wait to see where the event is next year. So no one knows yet, which is kind of exciting to be honest. Um, But, you know, I'm sure you'll all see the news when it gets announced that what country it's going to be held in. Um, I know the EO is going to be held in the UK next year, so the adult version for the senior team, so that's so exciting. But I'm not sure about the junior one and it doesn't sound like anyone else knows quite yet either, but I'm sure it won't be long until that's announced. I could be wrong, it could be somewhere, but I, I do remember in the closing ceremony pretty sure the kennel club guy, what's his name, the secretary of the kennel club Um, that's so bad that I don't know that Um, pretty sure he said you'll all just have to wait to see where it is next year so yeah, gonna keep you in suspense there but that is all of the questions, I really enjoyed answering your questions guys thank you very much for sending those in, it was just such a good experience Um, if anyone's got any further questions about being a white dog or the JOAWC in general or Team GB in general, you know, selection process, anything like that, that you think I could help you with. Or if you don't know if I could help you with, send me a message um, and follow me on any of the social media platforms. I will put the links here on the YouTube video and down below in the description on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you follow me on all of those so you don't miss a post or another podcast episode or YouTube video. I also did a bit of vlogging over the event. Um, I don't know how much footage I actually got I am still not a great vlogger. I forget to pick up the camera. I'm too in the moment, <laughs> I suppose that's a good thing, but it means less footage to work with. But I'm going to try and make a YouTube video of the event. So keep an eye out for that, it might be a few weeks. They take a lot of editing. Um, and next week's podcast episode is going to be all about how to start your own podcast on the, around the topic of dogs or YouTube channel or just general social media channel because I've had a few people asking. And I'm always, you know, willing to be a role model for those wanting to do what I've done and stuff like that. And I love seeing more people do podcast videos, YouTube channels, uh, social media accounts, stuff like that. So, yeah, get excited this time next week. That will be in your ears. And yeah, so every Wednesday at 8pm, tune in. There will be a new episode every single week. I can't believe how long I've been doing this podcast now. It is since last November, I think. August, September, October, so in four months it'll have been a year, that is crazy. I'm going to have to do a super special episode for my year anniversary of the Pause in Pursuit podcast. So the last thing I want to say is, if you don't mind, please leave a rating or review on Apple Apple Podcasts or Spotify, ideally five stars. That would mean the world to me and just keeps this podcast going and yeah, keeps the hype there. And with that, I will see you all next Wednesday at 8pm. Bye guys.